indoors this morning right here at Vertical? Yeah, I am. Hey, it may be 15 outside, but it is plenty warm in here for the Spirit of God here with us. Amen? And he is speaking, and he is alive. His word is alive. He is here, and he has something he wants to say to our lives right now, where we live. Amen? Aren't you grateful for that? So we're in our series called, Will You Trust Me With It? And we're talking about this moment where God calls us to release into his hands what he has placed in our hand. And it's a very precarious and it's a very precious moment to be able to surrender back to God what he has placed in our hand because it requires absolute trust. I remember as a young dad with Heather and I, young parents, Leaving our child, even with one of our parents, <laughs> the grandparents, just leaving them and then walking away and going out on a date. That was great. That part was hard, though. Leaving your child, even with someone you love. I remember when Brianna got older, she went on a mission trip, and she was going to be outside the country. And this is back before you could just take a cell phone with you and just call from whenever and wherever you wanted. And she was, she left and it was a dip. she was in high school, and I'm like in tears and struggling. Days are going by. I'm like, oh my word. It was so hard because I was leaving what was precious to me into the hands of something I didn't have control over. But what I did is I learned to trust the one who had control over her, and he gave me peace even in the midst of difficult release in my life. And this is, this is what God calls us to do. Trust me with it. I've put something in your hand. Now, will you trust me with it? And you can't have trust unless there's some risk involved. You can't have trust unless there's some element of just full release from your hand into his hands. You can't have trust unless you let go and let him have absolute control over it. Amen? And that moment right there is such, again, a precarious but precious moment because the moment I release control and I allow him to have full control is a moment that trust and faith is built in me. And it recognizes the difficulty, it recognizes the risk, it recognizes the threat and say, God, I'm gonna trust you anyway. In spite of the risk, in spite of the threat, in spite of what else is out there, I know you are good and your word is good and you are true, so I'll trust you anyway. Our message today is called, Trust Him Anyway. Because this is what you and I are called to do. We're not called to a faith that is necessarily easy or just as sugar-coated. We're called to faith that says, God, I will trust you in the most precious areas of my life with the things I hold most dear and most importantly, with my own life, I trust you. Now, when you do that, and you recognize who he is and what he has for you, you develop a whole new way to see life. You develop this mentality that comes along with life where you say, God, you are the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You are the one who has all blessings and favor. You show me that in Jesus Christ. So I will trust you with it. I'll trust you when I have little because I know you have much, right? I'll trust you when I have little control because I know you have great control. I'll trust you with the little possessions I have because you own it all. I'll trust you with the small talents you've trusted me with because you own all things and you call me to trust you. And when you have that, you develop a mindset about life that's much more of an abundance mentality. 
I know that I may have little here, but I have everything in him. And I can risk and I can rest. I can give and I can go because I know he holds me and he is the one who will bless when I trust him. Now, the opposite of that is a mentality that says, I have so little and there's so much against me. I'm going to just hold on to it. I can't dare let go of it. I have to keep control. That is a scarcity mindset. That says, I have little. There's not going to be any more. It's not going to get any better. In fact, it's going to get worse. And what that leads to is ultimately death. In what area of your life you begin to practice a scarcity mentality I have a little, I got to hold it all. I can't let anybody near what I've got and I sure can't give it up. I can't trust God with it because everything in front is terrible, it's negative, it's bad, it's going to get worse. That is scarcity mentality. And that level of belief affects every area of our lives. So here's the definition of scarcity mentality. It's a focus on what I don't have and can't have. And you and I don't have everything in and of ourselves, right? And so I look at what I have, and if that's all I look at, then I develop this scarcity. This is only what I've got. But that's not what we've been invited to. We've been invited to a faith in Jesus Christ that says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, amen? That he is the one who owns all things, and he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And I can walk into whatever situation I'm in knowing he is there, he will bless when I keep his word and trust him, amen? He will give what is needed in that moment. That is what has allowed Heather and I to walk into difficult seasons, to walk through the whole parenting process, to walk now into grandparenting, to see my parents go home to be with the Lord, to walk through times when we didn't know where the next check was coming from, how that bill was gonna get paid, how we were gonna get out of debt, how the conflict was going to get resolved, how the tension was going to be settled. Faith and trust that he has all I need waiting in the next chapter gives you the ability to move forward. But scarcity mentality doesn't. It brings you to a place where you see only what you have. It sees the future with fear. And it sees only the threats that are ahead of us. Now, this has so much application into our lives today but especially for us as believers in this day and time. We look at what's happening in the world around us and all of a sudden we have found ourselves in a post-Christian culture. It used to be that Christianity was the elevated and favored and common view of America. But that's no longer the case. And we can't ignore that or deny that. It's a reality. And anyone who professes faith in Jesus Christ today is going to most likely be canceled and have pressure put against them to conform. And it would be easy for us as Christians to see what's happening around us and develop the scarcity mentality. Everything is terrible. It's getting worse. I don't like where it's headed. I'm not going to hold on or I'm not going to let go of what I've got. It's going to be us four and no more. And I got no room to give to anybody, do anything and hunker down. And that leads to death, as we will see today in Scripture. Now, let's make some application for this today, right off the bat, because I'm not talking about just a religious idea. 
I'm talking about something that affects every area of life. And I'll just tell you up front, some of this is gonna get right up in our business. This is what we do here at Vertical. It's gonna get real close to home. The goal is not to offend today. The goal is to speak truth into the very real areas of our life. Are we game for all that today? Yeah? Amen? Okay, cool. So let's talk about how this plays out, the scarcity mentality. Let's talk about how this plays out. If you have that mindset when it comes to relationships, for example, if you have a scarcity view of relationships, then you'll end up focusing on what others aren't doing for you. Instead of thinking of what you have, you'll focus on what others ought to be doing for you. You'll start thinking about what others ought to be doing all the time, especially for you, but what they ought to be doing. You'll start thinking about how you are left out. I get left out. They don't pay attention to me. They don't give me what I want. They're not nice to me. This is scarcity mentality in relationships. I don't have it. They do, and I deserve it. It starts with the basis of I don't have it though. And it leads to fear, it leads to resentment, and it leads to sadness in your relationships because you look at everybody as what they ought to be doing for you. And then it comes out of your mouth eventually. And that causes conflict. And it breaks down relationships. And you end up with broken relationships because you had a scarcity mentality. Now, I know you might be riding fast and furious. That's great. If you want to pull your phone out and take pictures of the screen, that's totally fine too. That's not going to bother me one bit because we've got a few of these we're going to talk about here. All right, so scarcity in relationships. Let's talk about another area how this applies. Let's talk about scarcity when it comes to finances. You start focusing on how much I don't have. I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have enough for this. I don't have enough for that. And you start focusing on what others do have. Well, how come they have that, but I don't have that? You're operating from a scarcity mentality. I don't, and they do. How come they do? How come I don't? This starts leading to complaining and greed. You start thinking, well, I should have what they have. I deserve to have what they have. And this one right here, followed to its end, is what we have in our culture today. It's a it's complaining that someone else has what I should have and what it ultimately leads to, I'll just go ahead and get governmental political here, it leads to socialism and ultimately communism. Because it says, they have it, I should have it. Therefore, everybody should have the same. This is the end goal of this. Scarcity, finance, scarcity in your finances have this kind of view. And it will lead to no ingenuity, no hard work, and no commit, no contentment. I think I should have, and I don't want to work for it. I think I should have, and it should just be given to me. When you have that mentality, you won't try to be creative. You won't look for opportunities. You won't work hard. You'll sit on your rear and expect someone else to give to you. Hello? You know what I'm talking about this morning? Scarcity in finances. Let's just get real personal in case we haven't yet. Let's talk about scarcity in dieting. It's the new year. I can relate to this one, Okay. I think we all can to some degree. Here's how this plays out. If I start focusing on what I'm not supposed to eat, hello, you know what happens? That becomes all you can think about. Well, I'm not supposed to eat a cherry pie right now. Now, don't eat cherry pie. Don't eat cherry pie. Guess what I want all the time? Cherry pie, hello? What you think you shouldn't have is what you'll end up thinking you want all the time. Scarcity mentality will become that. You'll see exercise as punishment. 
all this is painful, it's difficult, it's hard, I hate it. You start hating it, you'll start gaining it. Hello? That's what happens. You'll be sad about what you can only eat. Well, I have to eat this. Well, everybody else gets to enjoy that. All of that leads to binging, guilt, and failure of your diet. Can anybody relate to me this morning? You know, I'm, I'm saying this because I've been there. I know this. It's happened. But it starts with a scarcity mentality. Instead of saying, all right, I'm going to lose 15 pounds. And man, I'm going to look great when I lose that 15 pounds. I'm going to feel good. I'm going to be healthy. And you set that as your goal. That's not scarcity. That's abundance thinking. That's thinking about where I'm headed, not where all the limitations I've got. Are you with me so far? Let's carry it into some other areas of life. Let's talk about a scarcity when it comes to even our future, how we see the future. I focus on what they, or me, what I don't have. I start focusing on the problems and all the negative outcomes. I start thinking about what could happen out there, how this could be terrible if I do this, and what if this, and what if this, what if this happens? Oh my goodness, this is all gonna be terrible. When that happens, you start withdrawing, you become very pessimistic, and you start complaining all the time because you see the future as dark, depressing, sad, and not working for you. All of these leave God out of the very real areas of life. It has a very small view of God at work. Let's do one more. Scarcity faith. Some people approach the faith and following Jesus from a scarcity mindset. Now stay with me here. <clears throat> you and I have come to Jesus Christ. I'm assuming the fact that you're here this morning, you've come to Jesus Christ and put your faith in him. Amen? And as a result, you know now, that your sins have been forgiven. Are they held against you today? No. They have been removed. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? That is awareness that I have been forgiven and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, as it says in Ephesians 1. Amen? But if I start focusing on my sins, my guilt, and my shame, it will lead to a scarcity faith. It's focused on what I have done wrong rather than what he has done right for me. Are you with me? And what that leads to, I've done this, is horrible introspection all the time. Oh, I bet I've got sin somewhere in my life and I just don't know. Oh, I need to go pray for hours and fast for days to weed out every sin in my life. Oh, I bet I've got some bad attitudes somewhere. I just need to make sure all of those. Are, and you just all the time, this horrible negative introspection and you're focused on your weaknesses and you're focused on your failures and you're focused on your sin and you're focused on your shame. And what you end up with is you're at the cross all the time, but you're never really experiencing the resurrection. And you and I have been invited to both to come to the cross where your sins have been paid for, but you come to the resurrection where those sins have truly been removed as far as the east is from the west, and you have the power of God in you and with you. Amen? Scarcity faith is focused on me. Abundant faith says I'm focused on him. Scarcity faith keeps me silent, keeps me defeated, and keeps me sad. Abundance mentality, though, is just the opposite. Here's what abundance mentality is. It's the awareness that in Christ, 
I have every spiritual blessing. I have his provision and have the full confidence that he is working for my good and for his glory. That applied over your life will change every area in your life. You apply this to your marriage, this to your relationships, this to your finances, this to your talents, this to your dieting, this to every element of your life, and it changes things. When you bring even the little that you have and allow God to have full control and trust him with it, it changes everything about you. When you give the little that you have, he will show himself strong. Don't believe me? Ask the widow in the New Testament who had only two mites and she gave them to the Lord. Ask the little boy who had a small lunch and he gave it to Jesus on a hillside one day. Ask David who had five small stones what God can do when we give him even the little that we have, when we trust him to have control over it. Amen? All right, we're going to see a story today. Turn your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to meet a woman here who is going to be in a scarcity mentality. She's going to be operating out of the little that she has, and God's going to send someone to encourage her to trust him with all that she has. And when she does, it radically changes her life. And I know we want that to all be true for us, that even in the littlest area, the smallest areas of our life, we would fully trust him and see him do even the miraculous. So the setting here is a time of famine in the land. It's a time when things are not going well. Elijah is a prophet. He speaks what God says. And he has learned to not live in scarcity mentality. He's learned to live in abundance mentality. He's learned to trust God and walk into situations that have limitations to them and know that God is going to provide in them. But she is living in the scarcity. It's a time of drought. There's not much. And what little you do have, you're very careful with. Now I'll go ahead and say up front, scarcity mentality comes when you've walked through some scarcity in your life. My parents grew up and lived through the Great Depression. And I would hear their stories. And I saw how they lived. And they worked through so much to get them to the place of trusting God, even with the little that they had. But when you've had little, sometimes you can be tempted to hoard what you've got. It happens in finances. It happens in relationships. If you've ever been burned in some relationships before, you get hesitant to go back into any other relationship and trust again. If you've ever been burned in church before, I get it. It makes it difficult for you to walk into another church setting and trust again. But God wants to meet us in the areas where we've been hurt, where we've walked through scarcity, and free us to trust him even with what little we have. Amen? 1 Kings 17 is where we are today. We start here in verse 9. It says, So then the word of the Lord came to him, this is Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. So God calls Elijah to go live in a certain place during a time of famine, during a time of drought. And the reason it was this way is because there was a wicked king in the land. And Elijah told Ahab 
There is not going to be rain in the land again until God says so. Because you are wicked and you're bringing wickedness upon this people. And everyone is paying the price because of the leader of the land. In fact, that always happens, you know. And so here is a people who are walking through scarcity. And God calls Elijah at a time of scarcity to go to another place he had never been. And there, God would provide for him. Now, it tells us in verse 10, it says, See, God said to him, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So, he arose and went to Zarephath. Now, you might think, if I was thinking in terms of Elijah, that God should have said, I have provided a very wealthy man there to help provide for your needs. I have established an income source for you there so that you can walk into it and trust me completely. I have provided a woman there who's very wealthy who will provide for your needs. But instead, I've commanded a widow there. We're not certain yet in the passage, we're about to find out whether this woman has any wealth or not. But she's a widow, so she's alone. She doesn't have a dual income source. And we're about to find out what Elijah finds. And we're going to find this principle, this truth to come to life for us. Where God guides, God always provides. Where God guides, he always provides. He doesn't provide and then guide. He guides and then provides. Because trust comes when you go where he says go. And where he guides, he provides. And this is what is about to happen for Elijah. Second part of verse 10 says, And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. It's not looking good. It's a widow. She's out by herself. She's having to provide for herself. And she's gathering sticks. Now, this is that time of year when I like to have a fire in the fireplace at home, and it's not gas, it's wood, and so we have a lot of trees in our yard, so I go out often and gather sticks. I get it. Here she is out by the city gate, and she's gathering sticks. I wonder if Elijah looked and thought, oh, Lord, <laughs> this? This is how you're going to provide? Is, is she the one? Don't ever look at what God provides for you and say, how in the world? Just look at what God calls you to and say, I'm going to trust you. That's abundance thinking, not scarcity thinking. Because if I was Elijah with scarcity thinking, I might have thought, uh-uh, this ain't it. I'm out of here. You know, it, It's a widow. She's gathering sticks. And it says, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little cup, a little water in a cup that I may drink. Now, you're going to have to erase from your mindset here any male chauvinistic preconceived ideas here. That here's this man taking advantage of a woman in a very difficult situation. Can we go ahead and erase that from our minds this morning? Okay, this is not what's happening here. This is God about to move in a woman's life who can only see desperation for what's ahead for her. And so God is going to speak to her through this man, Elijah. And he knows 
God promised, I'm going to provide for you. It'll be a woman, it'll be a widow, and you will see her. So Elijah shows up, here she is, gathering sticks. So what he asks is in line with what God has called him to ask and believe. He says, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And again, you could think, dude, can't you get your own water? Really? You're going to have to ask a widow, he's gathering sticks, to bring you some water? This is not about that. This is about God working in her life through him. Amen? Are we good? Are we good? You're about to not be good. And, she, and he called to her and said, or as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Not just the water. Can you bring me some bread too? It's like, dude, really? Can you not get yourself some bread? Can you not get up and get yourself some water? Come on now. That's not what's happening here. This is God moving in her life to do something to change her. She's about to have a complete change of perspective on the power of God and what is ahead for her. And so Elijah asks, in her limitation, in her weakness, God speaks. Isn't it good to know that when you, are, you and I are in our place of weakness and we think, I don't have much, I don't like what's ahead, that God shows up right there in that spot and says, will you trust me with it? story goes on. It says that she responded. She said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. Now we get some clues about this woman here because she says, as the Lord your God lives. She doesn't say, as the Lord my God lives. She says, I know you have a God, and you serve him. And as you serve him, I'm telling you, I only have very little. I don't have much. You get this picture here that she really hasn't bought into faith. You get this picture that she hasn't really put it all together, that he is Lord over every area in her life. You get this picture that faith is something other people have and she's at a different place in her life. That's not for me. And I'm telling you, I don't have it. I hear what you're asking. I don't have it. And we see the focus here on one specific word. Only. I do not have bread, but I only have a handful of flour and a little oil in a jar. Now I thought for illustration purposes, we might just get a glimpse of what that might look like. I got a little flour and a little oil. This is all I have. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're asking for. But I only have this. This is all I got. And I'll say it based on your God and his name, I don't have it. This is all I have. I get it. From a physical perspective, from an earthly mindset, this was all you 
have. But if you focus on only what you have, if you focus on only what you have control over, if you focus on only what you can provide for yourself, you will not see the power of God to do something bigger in your life and give abundantly when you don't think you have anything. In fact, when you don't have anything. And she has an only mindset. This is my limitation. This is my weakness. This is my struggle. This is my problem. And here's what that leads to. Verse 12, it says, and see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. The drought's been long. It's been hard. We don't have anything else. I've been making little meals for us and I'm bound to just a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. I'm gathering a few sticks and I'm headed home and I'm going to prepare the last meal. We're going to eat that and that's it. Then we're going to die. There's nothing else out there. There's nothing else better. This is all I've got. Only this. And that kind of scarcity leads you to some sad places. This is all I have. This is the only thing I've got. I don't have enough. I don't have enough given to me in my relationships. I don't have enough money coming in. I don't have enough in my marriage. I don't have enough in my job. Only, only, only. And it leads to a dark, dismal future. And Elijah meets her here. And God meets us here in our only. And here's what Elijah said to her. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. Isn't it interesting that this is where he starts? Do not fear. She didn't say anything about being afraid. And he says, do not fear. She didn't say anything about, I'm panicked. She didn't say that. She didn't say, I'm stressed. She didn't say, I'm worried about what's going to happen next. She didn't say any of that. But Elijah said, do not fear. Because fear is at the basis of a scarcity mindset. Fear says, I'm not going to have any more. It's going to get worse. I don't have enough. This is all I've got. I need what someone else has, but I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. Fear of what could happen. Fear of what's next. Fear of the worst case scenario. Fear of the threat that's out there. And the more you let fear take hold, the more tight you will grab a hold of what you got and shrink to the point that you in your soul will die. And Elijah says, do not fear. Don't let that drive what's happening here in this situation. Go and do as you have said. But... Make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. Anybody from the outside looking at this says, 
That dude is so egotistical. That dude is so self-serving. What does he think he's doing? Does he not care about her at all? Look, this is God about to do a miracle in her life. And if you want to see God move in your life, you've got to read past the surface level here and hear what God is saying. And God called her as he calls us today. Will you take what you have that you see is so little that you think I could never do anything with, that you think you don't have enough of? Will you trust me with it? Will you trust me to the point that when I ask you, take that and give it to me first. Honor me first. But you don't know how little money I have. Honor me first. But you don't know how little relationships I have. Honor me first. But you don't know how little I've got in the future and what I have as what's ahead. You don't know how little hope I have. Honor me first. Give me the first part of the little that you have of this. Get past your scarcity mindset. Honor me first and then you will have what you need for the next. God will bless and provide when you get out of your scarcity. All I have is me mindset. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. God says to the woman, if you'll trust me with this, let me have this, and trust me to the point that you'll give it to me first. Prioritize me. Serve me, the Lord says, and I will see that you have everything that you need. It won't dry up. It won't run out. I'll give you everything that you need. Now again, you start applying this over into relationships, into finances, into your gifts and talents and your future. You will have what you need if you'll honor him with the first, even the smallest part that you do have. You say, but in my marriage, there's just not a lot of love and I don't have a lot of love to give. I only have this much love for him for her, you honor God with that little that you have right there and he will provide everything that you need. You honor him and see that he is the supplier and the provider of the love you need. He'll give you what you need and out of that abundance, you'll be able to give to someone else. She'll be able to give to herself, cook her own food and her son's food. You see what God has for you, an abundance mindset, it'll transform every piece of your life. And God made the promise. It won't run dry. It won't run out until the Lord sends rain on the earth. And the Bible says that, that she went away and she did according to the word of Elijah. A wise woman. She said, I don't get it. I look at this and I say, I don't get it. But I hear you and I say, I get it. And she took what she had and she went away and she did what God said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. Now what's fascinating is God didn't all of a sudden uh, have a dump truck of oil just show up and just bloop, 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 
give to her. There was not massive bins of flour that showed up. But what God did was every day he gave what was needed because she trusted him with the little that she had. And God will do that for us as well. You trust him today with that little that you have. You let him be the one that's glorified in it. You let him have the first part of it, whether it's your time, your money, your resources, your heart, your love, your day, your week, your marriage, your kids. You let him have the first part. Honor him with the first part. Prove that you trust him by giving him the first part and he will see that you have just what you need for every situation after that. He will provide. He will show up. He will be there. So this woman, she saw it. She said, wait a minute. God is calling me. God is speaking to me. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a difference in our nation because this man has come to proclaim God's word. I'm going to make a difference in the our kingdom here. I'm going to make a difference and God has called me and I will do that. I will give. And here's what happens. It says the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Isn't it good to know that God always keeps his promises? Amen? That he is faithful. That if you will trust him in the small areas, if you'll trust him in the areas where you say, I only have this. This is all I've got. It looks like it's dark. It's bleak. It's not going to work out. Oh, trust me with it. God says, but I don't have much. Trust me with it. But I don't know what's going to happen next. Trust me with it. Lean into that precarious, precious moment where you hand over what you do have into the Lord's hands and he will show himself strong just as he did in that woman. Now again, you might look at our situation today as a nation, as a culture, and say, how in the world can anything good come for us in what's ahead. How can God bless when it seems so much is against us? I'm not leaning into scarcity mentality for what's ahead for us, amen? I'm not leaning into scarcity mentality for 2024 for us because we are the people of God, amen? We are the church of Jesus Christ and he has promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. He has promised that his word is true, that he is with us, he is for us, he is not against us, and greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Amen? And that same declaration ought to be true for every one of us. Whatever your situation, in your marriage, in your finances, in your talents, in your job, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I have every spiritual blessing provided for me in Jesus Christ right now. He has given me all that pertains to life and godliness. I have at my disposal what I need already, just as she did, if she would trust him with it. He wants to work in that area that you say, I only have this. That's the place. That's the spot. That is the place that he will show himself strong. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you that it is your desire to meet us in our times of fear, uncertainty, doubt, tension, struggle, emptiness, in our own scarcity. And you meet us there 
And you give us exceedingly great and precious promises that you will bless. You will be more than enough if we will trust you with the little that we have. So God, as your people today, I pray that it would be true for us. That we would live out this truth in our own heart, in our marriages, in our families, in our finances, in our relationships, in our full life trust of you. We place into your hands the very thing that we seem to be so limited by and believe and trust that you will show yourself strong there. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to conclude our service today with a baptism. Amen. Another picture of life transformed right here at Vertical. And we've seen it happen in adults and we've seen it happen in children. And today it's another child and a family that's being transformed. So let me invite the carols up. Y'all come on up this morning. Let me grab microphone. This is Parker Carroll right here. She's about to be baptized. This is mom and dad and brother. And Parker, we, we talked this, past, well, two weeks ago, I think. Miss Micah came in and we all talked together and we talked to her about faith in Jesus Christ. And I asked her, do you believe that Jesus died for you? And she said, yes. she said, yes. I said, do you believe that Jesus rose for you? And do you want to live your life to serve him? Yes. And what we always do is we ask mom and dad, do you see this at home? Is this something that's genuine and real? Are they living out this faith? Have they been transformed? Do you see something different about them? And mom and dad said, yes, they did. And they started telling us stories. And it was beautiful to hear. And it was evident that God is at work in her life. And she's put her faith in Jesus Christ and she truly is changed by him. So, in fact, Parker, you have a verse that you want to share with us today. So, do you want to tell us what that is? You can hold the mic, yeah. Psalms 100, verse 1 through 2. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Come into his presence with singing. Yeah, that's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. And that's not the only one. She's, she knows other scripture, and God is at work in her life, and... This family is living out their faith and seeing the fruit of it. This is, this is honoring the Lord with the first fruits of all that you have. Amen? And I'm confident he's going to continue to bless his family. So, you ready to do this? Let's hop in this water because this water pictures for us, yeah, the death and resurrection of Jesus for us. He was buried. Let's turn around and face this other way. Whoop, let's go that way. There you go. The water represents for us what Jesus did. He was, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. But also pictures for us the new life we can have, an end to who we were, and a beginning to who he is in our life. So we have new life, and we are resurrected. All right, Taylor, are you ready for this? Taylor wants to talk. He's going to baptize. Uh, Parker, I had a whole lot written, and I've been thinking about what I wanted to say this morning. Uh, kind of changed, and uh, I just want to tell you that it's, it was incredible uh, watching you place your faith in Jesus. Uh, I've experienced my own salvation, and I've, I've seen it in others, but it's something differently incredible when you get to witness your child's uh, faith. 
I want you to hold on to that feeling that you felt when that weight was lifted off, when you, when you realized that there was no fear and, and no worries and no more doubt, that you were confirmed a child of God uh, and that he is with you. Um, Parker, your mother and I have prayed for many things for you since before you were born. Prayed for your health and happiness and your growth and development and education and uh, your future and what God calls you to be and uh, one day a, a husband and, and a family of your own and, and much, much more. Um, but today marks the fulfillment of the most important prayer that you would become a Christian, uh, that you would become a Christ follower and a believer made righteous and perfect in his eyes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, but we know that it's not the end of the journey. It's the beginning of the most important journey in your whole life. You're going to have some sad times and you're going to have some struggles and you're going to have some questions with answers that lead to more questions. But more importantly, you're going to have a joy that, and, and victories that you couldn't experience without God and without your faith. And also you get that freedom, that freedom from fear that no matter what happens on this earth for the rest of your life, you are now a child of God and mm. you will get to spend eternity in heaven worshiping him. Mm. I'm just so thankful today is a good day. Mm. Your mother and I will continue to pray as everybody else that loves you that your faith will continue to grow and you'll continue this passionate pursuit of knowledge of him and that your profession of faith doesn't stop today and it doesn't stop with these walls. That you'll go out there and you'll proclaim his name every day of your life much, much further than this building. And I'm so happy that now I get to baptize my daughter. But now my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This dude's a fireman, but today the fire of God was on him. My goodness gracious, that is awesome. Woo, praise God. Yeah. This is giving God the first, and he is blessed. Are you grateful, everybody? My goodness, that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Blessings upon you guys. Hey, let's pray before we're dismissed. Father, I just thank you so much for this family. Thank you for your word coming alive in their home and it resulting in their daughter trusting in you with her whole heart. God, I know that by giving her the first part of her life now, you are going to bless the rest. I thank you for that. I thank you for this family and salvation we have in you to make us new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we close our services here by me saying lift him up and you say live him out. Let's do this. Lift him up and...